0: Hey everyone. After a long hiatus, uh the Beyond the Arc podcast returns. Um today we're here with Yash aka Mathcoball. What's up? And Gavin. Hey Matt, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um so yeah, we were going to just talk about some of the draft fits um that all three of us like. So we all picked three different prospects. Um, and we're just we just those are the prospects, you know. We just like they fit with the teams they got drafted by, so we can just like hop right into it. Um, let's see. Yosh oh, is on my screen right next to me, so Yosh, you go. You can go first.
1: All right. Yeah, I'll start off. I'll start us off with uh, Chet Holmgren uh, in Oklahoma City. I thought that was uh, a really great fit for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, when you hear Chet Holmgren, uh, we hear, we think about you know the crazy talent, the immense potential. What can he do with the ball in his hands? Uh, But what I'm especially excited for uh, with Chet and OKC is what he's able to or the holes he's able to fill up on the roster with the player he is right now. Um, I thought one of the biggest holes watching Oklahoma City last season uh, was the fact that a lot of their bigs did not present themselves as offensive threats, uh, which made things especially tough for uh, their ball handlers, which Primarily thrived in the pick and roll. And Chet brings uh, a fresh dynamic, which makes things uh, a lot easier for them. Uh, number one, that's with his finishing. He's seven foot with a seven six wingspan and presents himself as a lob threat, uh, which was something that was greatly missed last year. Uh, a lot of their bigs were undersized and defensive minded uh, JRE and Derek Favors, to name a few, uh, which just did not have that ability. Um, and he's also just a versatile finisher in general. He's able to put the ball on the floor, you know, when he catches at the middle of the floor and, uh, you know, get to his footwork sequence and, and finish by himself, uh, which makes things easier. And, you know, just to put things in perspective, he was a 99th percentile rim finisher in college, um, showing that he could do that at the level, at the college level. Uh, he's also able to do more than that. He's able to pass on the role, uh, make plays and enhance his teammates. Uh, and he's even able to play the pick-and-pop game, step out to the three-point line. Uh, he shot 40% on catch-and-shoot looks. Uh, so that's another dynamic uh, added to that little partnership with uh, him and the, the OKC ball handlers. Um, so that's just what he offers as a compliment, uh, which is exciting just in year one. Um, and then you get to all the the exciting stuff with what he can do with the ball in his hands and as he matures into it, his talent level. So. That, that was the first one I really liked.
0: Yeah, now that you say it, it actually sounds a like way better fit than I even imagined, especially with um, just, like, his versatility as a roller, because, you know, I don't know how much of a threat Isaiah Roby is, but, like, you know, um, yeah. Chet's definitely a whole, whole level um, up from that. And there's like a lot of different things I feel like you can do with him, just like you said, and also um, the fact that, like, SGA and, like, Josh Giddy um both of them are just really good pick and roll players and now you actually have a guy that um you can do some pretty unique stuff with either with a pick and roll pick and pop but also um because of how long he is like the teams on the backs are gonna have to tag him um which opens up that skip of course whereas before like i don't know how worried teams were um trying to tag Derek favors all the time Um, so then kind of the byproduct of that too is even like better shots for um the shooters in the corner because you're going to buy them a little more time because they have to tag a little harder stay like the extra like half a second more and then boom um now okay she's shooting might be a little better I think that's also something to look at. Gavin anything to add
2: no not really I think that was uh I think that covered it I just I agree I think that offensively like you were saying Derek favors you got Roby and then you have uh Robinson Earl like I think that like offensively they were definitely limited at the at the front court spot last year so I think adding adding Chet I mean that's just like spacing in general especially for Shea who's another great finisher at the rim like he loves to get inside and finish like I think just having Chet to space it the floor like they go five out but he also spaces it vertically I think that's just you know you can't you can't really go wrong with that I think that's uh I think that's going to be huge for them going forward.
0: My my only thing with him though is is he really gonna play full time five for them? Because um, I I don't know like if you're playing like a Jokic or like Embiid or like one of like the or even like Jonas Valanciunas like are you really gonna play Chet against him at the five like I don't know, you might have to him to the four, um, you know we have the off season ahead of us so you know who knows who they're gonna bring in at the the five spot you probably need a, someone a little more strength based to match them up at that point that you know might negate his ability to roll because like a well, five is probably not going to be a spacer um, so I don't know that's something to keep in mind but I think just overall he does fit what they're trying to do with just like really tall ball handler who can make good decisions and I think he yeah, he definitely fits into that type of like framework because okay, he's really going for with like Giddy and SGA and like they just drafted uh, Usman uh, Usman Deng, Deng. Um, so yeah Chet definitely fits in that type of mold of player for sure
2: i think also like defensively i think like having so i mean obviously players like roby and jre are limited or uh jeremiah robinson Earl are limited offensively but if you put them if defensively i think that gives chet a little more freedom kind of like as like a roaming like shot blocking like from the weak side type of guy like that gives him like more potential to be a impact big. Like, I, I agree against them. Maybe in the more physical presences, it's going to be more difficult. But having the other guys that maybe are more, it, it provides a balance in the front court just overall, I think. And that's like a good, that's a good, it's a good yin and yang situation for OKC. I see it.
0: Yeah, Yash, this is your guy. Anything to, to add?
1: uh Yeah, defensively, I like the fit too. I didn't, really didn't get into that. But yeah, uh, him as a free safety rolling, protecting the basket, uh, OKC built a strong or a solid defensive foundation last year, too. Uh, as a young team, they finished 18th in defensive rating, uh, which was mildly impressive. Uh, and like you said, yeah, they have guys on the perimeter, uh, even backline that can switch and uh, play a uh, variety of schemes uh, to help compensate for that uh, Chet's lack of physicality, so to speak.
0: OKC to me is definitely like the. I don't know it's like the supersized like at every position like I feel like that they're kind of the I don't know what the word but like the future of basketball like that's kind of what they're they're going for to like a, a larger um extent like not every team is tapped into it as much as they have but just a bunch of like tall decision makers um and just long defenders too on the other on the flip side um so yeah that'll be interesting to monitor uh next few years uh Gavin you want to go
2: Uh, yeah. So my prospect, my first one, I was going to go with dice. I'm going to go with Dyson Daniels, the eighth pick to uh, new Orleans. Um, I was thinking about this kind of like, or I was thinking about it when I did my scouting report and I kind of like think about a team fit. I initially, I thought like maybe Washington would be good next to Bradley Beal, but I also think that he fits well next to new in, in new Orleans. Um, because I think as a prospect currently, I mean, Dyson Daniels is 19. He came from G league Ignite. And he's still pretty limited as a primary ball handler. I don't think coming in for the first few years, and, or maybe ever, it's hard to project it based on what they've looked at his athleticism and everything. But I don't know. For me personally, I don't think he's going to be a high-volume pick-and-roll guy. So I think coming to a situation where you just added CJ McCollum and then you also have Brandon Ingram, two more high-volume ball, ball handlers, it takes a lot of the pressure off of him offensively and allows him to work on like the finer parts of his game and also working on being more of a, a complete player, but then it also gives him the opportunity to work. And because, I mean, he is really talented going to the basket, getting downhill. I think he hit um, he was like over the 80th percentile in like runners and floaters. He's really good. He has really nice touch from like 10 to 12 feet just inside the free throw line. And um, so I think that's definitely still strength of his game, just not in much like, if he was thrown into a situation where he was going to be doing that for thirty to thirty-five minutes a game, I think that having McCollum and Ingram next to him um, offensively is going to be huge. And then defensively, it's I think that gives them a lot, the New Orleans, a lot of versatility. I mean, you can put together a lineup of Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels, like that's a big lineup. A lot of switching potential, a lot of versatility. And I think so. That works. That works both ways. And it's. I think that's a. I. I think Dyson Daniels has a long way to go as a prospect and being a complete NBA player. But the situation he's in is giving him. He's going to give him the time to develop and be uh, potentially become uh, reach his potential as a as a top ten pick. So.
0: It kind of. I've seen the comparison, or I don't know if you guys have seen it too, but like people saying like he kind of plays like Lonzo Ball in a way. Um, just with the way he's like a tall, like he he'll bring up the ball. You know, he'll push in transition. He'll get those like quick hit ahead outlet stuff. Um, but he's not necessarily the guy that's going to be like operating like uh, in the pick and roll, trying to like create that like initial advantage. And Lonzo Ball was on this Pelicans team two years ago, and the they let him go, even though he probably he seemed like a pretty good fit. Um, in in New Orleans, so now they kind of get that similar. T- uh, type of player um, who's probably even more advanced defensively maybe than Lonzo Ball. but so definitely at Lonzo Ball when he was a rookie. Um, but yeah. Daniels actually might end up being a better player than Lonzo Ball. So maybe their, their bet with letting Lonzo Ball go might, um, might work out. Um, but yeah, just like everything you said, uh, him being like a really good def- uh, perimeter defender is going to give New Orleans a lot of different looks they can throw out. Um yeah, I mean, they have a re- like Herb Herb Jones, um, Ingram, Daniels. When Zion comes back, Zion. Um, and then at the, fo- or I guess you play CJ McCollum too. Um, and then somewhere at the center, like Jonas or Jackson Hayes. Like everyone besides McCollum is just like really, really long, you know? Uh, so that that would be something interesting to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, New Orleans is definitely a talented squad. And that's where I feel. Uh, Daniels' complementary skills, uh, his connective skills are really going to blossom. Like I agree with you guys in that he's never going to be uh, an offensive initiator or anything like that, but just his ability to you know, play within, uh, play off of those guys and even set those guys up with his passing and uh, his driving, decision making, uh, okay. I really think it's going to bolster a team that's looking to win right now and looking to get into the playoff race.
0: My only slight gripe is the shooting um i think he shot 27.5 percent from the three-point line in his g league Ignite season already new orleans is a pretty like kind of low on shooting um, you saw that a bit in their in the phoenix matchup too just like you have McCollum, who's he's gonna take those threes but he's also gonna have the ball in his hands a decent amount ingram could obviously shoot it but defenses are gonna key in on him and then you have herb jones like zion Hopefully, and Jonas, who are all like, well, Jonas can like kind of shoot, but he's kind of like that fake stretch five shooter in a way. Even though his percentages are good, I just he has such a slow release that team is just going to late close out and live with it. Herb Jones like has definitely improved as shooter um, from college, like immensely. He's way way better, um, but he still has ways to go. Um, and you know Zion is not really a shooter either, um, but you know obviously they have Fred Vincent. That's been kind of the the key to a lot of their success, too, with like, like getting Lonzo to be able to shoot a lot better, Brandon Ingram getting to shoot a lot better, so maybe that some of that magic will rub off on Dyson Daniels he become pretty respectable out there, and his shot looks fine to me, it doesn't look anything too bad, it's just that you're kind of you're starting off, if you're if you're not a shooter coming into the NBA, you're kind of, like, starting a step behind people who are already a good shooter. They're, like, looking to become, like, a movement shooter, like, flying off screens, and, like, he's still trying to become, like, a respectable, like, spot-up guy. That's my only kind of gripe against Daniels there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know, I watched, like, it was pretty easy to click through his clips of him shooting threes. I mean, was like, it's very low volume. It's probably about, like, 20 of them. He hit some impressive shots and I don't, it doesn't like it, mechanically the shot looks fine, but I agree. It's like, it, it's hard to project if the guy's not shooting that much at this, like at the level he was at, then what's he going to be doing in the NBA? But I also would add that I like, I know and I they're both great transition players, but I think in the half court, I like how Daniels plays with more like controlled and like, like balance out of the pick and roll. Like he likes to put a guy in jail and like get to a spot. I think Lonzo was like, when he when they were trying him out in the more I mean because now with the Bulls he's more of like a spot up like wing guy and like they're trying to they put they took the ball out of his hands a little more but in New Orleans when they were trying him out of the pick and roll is everything was really downhill and kind of just like flying to the rim and I think Daniels plays with more control and that's kind of like I think in a way that's another way he'll benefit from McCollum is McCollum likes to kind of is very like methodical the way he plays out of the pick and roll so I think that that could be the difference maker. Maybe, maybe that's something that works more with New Orleans' pace of play. I don't know. That just like I feel like that's a key difference between the way that they put, uh, Lonzo and Dyson Daniels play in the
0: half court. At least Dyson also has the floater too. Lonzo had nothing in between. That was also his issue. Like Lonzo, that- actually, Lonzo honestly didn't have anything at any level coming out of the pick and roll besides a step back three going to his left. That's all he had. He had no nothing, uh, nothing else to do. <laughs> in the pick and roll. couldn't well, I mean, He couldn't drive. He had no floater. He couldn't pull up like, yeah, no, anything. he was, he was, I mean, he was raw and
2: Dyson Daniels is still raw too, but there's way more like he, you can tell when he plays the reads he's making. He has a lot more feel at this level, like at this point in his development than Lonzo does for, you know. I mean, yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah. Dyson, didn't
0: Dyson, Dyson didn't play Chino Hills ball for four years, so he
2: did. He wasn't. He wasn't running with Leangelo and Lamelo. No, and, he wasn't. And Okongwu and yeah, no. Yeah. But I think I think long term, I think they have. Uh, there's a lot of potential there for. Um, I think it, I, I agree. I, I like what Yash says. Like it's a complementary skill set. Is that he can he's a connector guy, but then in limited volume, he can also show he can do like in the half court pick and roll sort of deal.
0: Yeah, that makes sense um okay I think we'll move on to my number one guy is uh Jaden Ivey I know me and Yash both have him up there um, and I, I feel like there's like I feel like there's no better fit in the draft honestly than Jaden Ivey um in Detroit so we can start kind of with like the backcourt situation um so now you have Cade and Ivey in the backcourt and I think they just like perfectly contrast each other in terms of their skill set and like what they bring to the table so like Cade's a bit of a more methodical player. Um, his passing reads are already like high high level uh he's definitely a he's a really good shooter too especially off the catch um ivy on the other hand he's not necessarily good at he's not a he's not methodical he doesn't have that part of his game down yet he's not a i think he'll be able to shoot i'll get into that a little later um well he he can shoot now uh, but he's also like really explosive and at times detroit last year uh, when you watch their offense it was just like you're just watching like Killian Hayes trying to do something in pick and roll or like Sadiq Bay, like trying to take like a step back jumper and like Cade, you know, sometimes couldn't always create that like separation to get the offense kind of turning. Um, Ivy is that guy like Ivy can do that. And I think he will be able to at a high level, um, just out of the pick and roll. He was, um, he performed pretty well in the pick and roll at Purdue. Um, and also his role men, like he had Travion Williams, Zach Edie, who are both like a bit slower, players. Um and then now you're gonna come in, you're gonna have Duran and Isaiah Stewart who are definitely a little more athletic. Um can probably finish above the rim a lot better than than those two. Um so yeah, I just I think his athleticism is gonna give Detroit the jolt they need offensively. Um and then also you look on the defensive side of things, Ivy, um, you know, typical like high volume offensive player at the college level, like just the defensive awareness just was not always there at times, um, he also struggles with uh, screen navigation. Like he'll definitely he'll get picked off a lot. Um, I remember there's one this one se- sequence there playing Illinois, uh, big time conference matchup, and Illinois were just killing him with like these backside hammer screens. Um, so the opposite side would post, and there would be a hammer screen on the weak side. Ivy might even like fight over the initial one. They'll just like flip it. Guy goes back the other way. Ivy stuck. Boom. Open three for Illinois. Um, so that's definitely something he's going to work on. But, you know, those things I feel like are going to come with time. And there have been those flashes of him just like hounding guys on ball, um, getting a steal, getting his hands on the ball, tipping, tipping passes. So he, at times when he's focused, he can make plays off the ball and even on the ball um, a little bit. So, yeah, I just think Ivy's a, just a really good fit with his athleticism um, on, on both ends, honestly, but mainly offensively.
1: Yeah, uh, I think like you said, Ivy is a dream fit next to Cade. Uh, you know, Cade's definitely uh, he's going to be their offensive number one, their initiator guy. Uh, but I think one thing that you miss in a Cade-driven offense is, uh, or I guess like rim pressure. That's that's the term everyone uses now. Uh, like Cade is very capable of getting to the getting into the paint, but like not at a super super elite level. Like when you think of like Luca's, LeBron's. Uh, And that's where Ivy's really going to help as a secondary guy who who can also initiate himself. Um, And defensively, like you said, there are definitely flaws, namely his off-ball awareness. And I think just like focus and awareness in general. Um, But he's someone that if if you, from from the jump, that you can put onto uh, some perimeter matchups and take the, the load off of Kate Cunningham and let him operate as their number one guy. Um so yeah I like that fit a lot.
2: Yeah. Uh I don't I don't have much to add to that. I mean I just I think I agree. I think Ivy in an off ball role if you're having Cade um be the primary ball handler which he will be most of the time. I think that can be still super valuable. I mean obviously the majority of what we saw at Purdue was him with the ball in his hands as a pick and roll player, but I think I mean he's so like athletically dominant like as a as a cutter as a as I don't, he won't be a movement shooter, but if you come have him coming off a pin down, you get him downhill, just giving him that little sort of advantage, that little like, like um space coming off of a screen, he can get to the rim and, and make, make something happen. And I like what you said too, Matt, about like creating, getting the defense moving. I know what you're saying is like, because Kate, I mean, he's really talented and he can get buckets like that, but like, it when if you get ivy if you blow by that first guy then someone's rotating down you hit the backside and it's the swing like just moving the defense around you see that's a big way of how teams get dagger threes teams how ha- get just open looks for guys and you know when you have when your primary ball handler is a guy like Cade, it's a lot more stagnant and he can hit you with that quick pass he'll hit the corner and he'll hit the hit the cutters but it's not going to be that same sort of advantage that ivy offers and so um, and I think defensively, I'm not I'm not concerned about him defensively. I think a lot of his flaws defensively were just that he felt like he was athletic enough, or he, he was athletic enough to cover himself whenever he had a lapse in judge in uh, focus or in judgment. But I mean, he'll realize pretty quickly in the NBA that that's not gonna that's not gonna fly. And I don't I don't think it'll be an issue going forward. Especially, I mean, his his point of attack defense has the potential to be really strong for them. So I mean. I, I think, I mean, Detroit, if the Kings weren't willing to swing on him at four and crowd the backcourt, then Detroit really got – and Detroit got a winner with
0: with Ivy at five. See, that's my issue with the notion of, like, oh, like, crowding the backcourt. Like, I think sometimes, like, Ivy is sometimes miscast. Like, oh, like, he's going to be, like, the one, like, a, like a John Morant type guy. Um, but in college, like, he was the two guard. Like, most of the time he was on the floor with another point guard who wasn't very good um that couldn't shoot the ball um but yeah they just had him coming off a lot of like iverson cuts or like pin downs and like like you said like that's what reminded me of this um you're like yeah he's coming with the pin downs gets that little like slight advantage and then boom he's gone like so many times like that happened like the defense is a step behind ivy's gonna accelerate and he's gone um so yeah he's like definitely that um that type of player uh, oh but my the point i was trying to make was him and kate are both like they both can play on and off the ball to me like pretty well like ivy like like i just said he's coming he can come off screens um and attack downhill and i think his shot is actually pretty workable like it's a pretty fluid stroke my only thing i would say is i he shoots a little bit too like for like his arm doesn't like when you think of like an ideal shot like your arm goes like like straight up like that but his kind of goes like more forward like that. He's almost like um, pushing the little bit. I noticed this when he was shooting his his free throws. He would do it and a lot of the times, or not a lot of the time, but it's like when he would miss his free throws, a lot of, it, a lot of the time it would be long. It would be straight, but it would just be long because he's just like pushing it forward too much. Um, so when you shoot it more like up, you get a little more arc. You, those long misses kind of like cut out a little bit. Um, and also that'll allow him to be more of a like a spot-up player because if you shoot more up, you you buy more time for you to get your shot off. Um, You can shoot over taller guys. Um, so I think if he makes that fix, and I, if I can see it, then definitely like the Piston scouting team could see that too. So I think if he could fix that, allow him to play more off ball, and then you have him and Cade, like interchangeable, like kind of like a two-headed monster. And I think that's going to be the future of the NBA too, just like having multiple guys um, that can like attack out of the pick and roll. Um, so yeah, I think Ivy, really good fit in uh, in Detroit. Um, so yeah, Yash, you can go with your second guy now.
1: Uh Yeah, so my second guy was uh, A.J. Griffin from Atlanta. I think what Atlanta really – or what really was really showcased about Atlanta in the playoffs uh, was when Miami shrunk the floor against Trey Young, uh, showed multiple bodies. A, lot, a, a large part of that was due to the fact that they didn't respect any of Atlanta's shooters, uh, who, are the, who they had on the floor, uh, they're running lineups with like uh, DeAndre Hunter and DeLon Wright, guys that just aren't threats to shoot off the or off off the catch. And that's something that AJ Griffin will bring from the jump. Uh, he might be the best shooter in the class, forty six percent on catch and shoot threes. Um, he's 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 a sniper, uh, and you can play him. You can he's a plug and play guy from day one. Um, so. That automatically bolsters uh, the rotation, though there are concerns with him defensively, uh, and a, a large and a major reason for that was due to the the injuries he suffered. Uh, I believe it was a senior year when he injured his ankle and his knee, uh, which really made him slow-footed on the perimeter, and uh, yeah, made him a made him have difficulty defending guys on the perimeter. Uh, but if you can regain some of that athletic juice uh, over time, then you know, looking at uh, Griffin on the wing next to Trey Young uh, just feels like a really good fit to me.
2: Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's not. I I love that pick. I mean, I would I would I immediately identified that as one of the better ones in the draft. I think. I mean, what we talked about with Daniel, like, there's. I think that this pick is a lot like just balance it provides great balance to a hawks team which they have a lot of talent but it's like how are pieces going to fit when it comes to playoff time like you were saying when the game slows down how are these pieces going to work alongside trey young and the thing i mean there's no doubt griffin can shoot the ball he's phenomenal shooter and that was something the hawks were laughing or lacking excuse me but on the defensive end then how is that going to translate because i mean he is really. You mentioned the injuries. He also struggled with his knee at Duke, and like he's just really slow. And he's gonna. I mean, especially elite level guards, and or if he gets caught on the wing against a more athletically um, talented wing or anyone is just gonna be. It's gonna be a blow by, and it's that's gonna be tough. But what I do like is that I feel like the players that the Hawks have now, like a Jalen Johnson, DeAndre Hunter defensively is really strong. You have John Collins. And you have two great defensive centers, Capella and Okongwu. I think it's not like it's not a like for like trade. It's like, all right, AJ Griffin does this offensively, and then these guys can cover him defensively. But it's there's I think the pieces that you can fit around him that that make the trade off worth it on offense, where AJ Griffin can be that elite spacer for Trey Young. I think that would be a great. I think that's a balance that can um, that can work well for Atlanta, and that could be um, the key that opens it. Opens up a lot for trey Young. I just think that I mean that's that's the main thing you build around your superstar and any guy that you can take out of the paint and make make them uh, more make them make a defense more wary about a reliable shooter that's gonna be helpful for a for a player like trey young. so i just i think um the balance of using guys who are more defensively inclined or defensively capable, but then also having AJ Griffin as a shooter is, I think that's a good, I think that's a great match. I think it's a great fit.
0: Yeah. um, Going back to what you said, Yash, about like Miami shrinking the floor because they had to play like a DeLon, right? Um, The reason for that was because on the defensive end, like the, like those, the guys that usually play like a Kevin Herter um, or like a, oh yeah, like a, uh, is it, the Bog yeah Bogdan Bogdan but not yeah. Belian Bogdan both of them couldn't really hang defensively against Miami so you had to sub in some like more defensively inclined players but then your spacing gets hurt um, like I understand you guys are saying like AJ is like a a negative defender right now but I think he like he definitely provides um, something just in terms of because he's six six two twenty you know like he's gonna he's be big. able to, he's gonna be able to guard up a bit um, and I'm I feel, I don't really know the his injury history that will like the the types of injuries, but maybe there's something with he can like strengthen it this offseason some of that like burst comes back and then boom now he's like a pretty. Like a pretty good perimeter defender um, that's also like spacing the floor at a really, really high level Like that's a guy you cannot leave. Um, and then you close out to him try to run him off the line and he has kind of like the pull up jumper like mid range type bag um, to also make the Defense pay there. Um, so I kind of like that. I like that part of his game too. Just his ability to like, he's gonna attack closeouts, and he's pretty, he's he's really good at it. Um, and he can also, maybe even like attack smaller guys. Like you try to stash like a smaller, you can't really stash a smaller guard, and he's just gonna post them up. Um, and he's like the skill to finish um, around those guys. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I didn't really think of him as like a like a negative negative defender. I feel like he definitely provided like something, something there, I guess. Yeah. I guess just his foot is he, was he really like that slow when you guys like watched him on defense? Was it like that bad?
1: I mean, yeah, I think against like quicker players, he, he definitely stood out more. And I was thinking more towards the NBA level where uh, he'd see more of those matchups and uh, you know, it would, it would be tougher for him. Uh, but yeah, I share, I share what you, where you thought were uh, barring no further injury, if he could regain some of that athletic juice that he could get back to being uh, a strong defender, which he was in his early high, high school days, I believe.
0: Yeah, cause my thing is if you draft AJ Griffin, you're probably if he has these he's these these like foot speed issues, you're gonna have to put him at like a three-four. You already have Hunter who's already kind of doing that. Um, then what happens to like the Collins Capella front course. Well AJ Griffin definitely not gonna be starting, I would say probably be like a backup for DeAndre Hunter right now. Yeah. Let's
2: just let's just say let's just say John Hollinger put it as AJ Griffin has cement blocks attached to his feet defensively. <laughs> that's pretty that, <laughs> I, that is, I think that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a verbatim quote from one of the athletic articles I read. And I also do remember watching this, but Hollinger mentioned it too. So when you watched um, Alondis Williams, the Wake Forest guy, play against AJ Griffin, it was a bad day for AJ Griffin. He was getting smoked, mm. and it's just like it's a little. Cause if he's a little late to that closeout and they pump fake and put it down, he's not recovering. He's not getting back on that. And that's like, that's just, I mean, that's NBA one Oh one. And then you're, then you're on a four on three and then you're getting, you know, it's, it's, it's downhill from there. So I, I have faith. And I, I, like I said, I just think the, the trade off using the spacing for Trey young is super important for Atlanta, but there's definitely a ways to go on the defensive end, whether that's injury attributed or, or otherwise.
0: Yeah, I thought, I don't know, my perception of him was that he was a bit of a better defender. I'm not a huge draft guy either, so I didn't really pay super, super close attention. I've been kind of cramming like this past month month or so, so I didn't quite catch on the the A.J. Griffin, just like how slow he was. I <laughs> I guess you're describing him as, have, as having cement blocks on his feet. I think there's something wrong there, you could say.
2: Well, I think that, I mean, that's just, that's mainly a perimeter analysis. Th- I like what you said about like guarding up. Like I think if you put him in a, like a mid post situation like that he would be okay like he's strong he's got a strong like lower body but it's like on the perimeter he's not like he's not moving well laterally at this point so
0: yeah all right um gavin you can do your guy now okay
2: so second pick for me is the um is mark williams the 15th overall pick to charlotte i mean (laughs) getting i'm getting a glaring look from matthew but like I just, I, I think this was, I think this was the e- one of the easier picks. This was kind of a gimme pick. And I just, I, I feel like we couldn't do this without, without mentioning it is that there is no, I and mean, you guys, this will be bring up the Jalen Duran and Mark Williams debate, but I don't think, I think Mark Williams is a phenomenal fit in Charlotte. And like there's, there, you can't miss on Mark Williams, top, top center in the nation last year for, well, and he was on Duke and top, top center at ACC. Seven, I think it was seven point seven blocks per one hundred. It was something, something very comparable to Chet. And I think the most recent one I found, or the highest I found for reference in college coming out, was Jaron Jackson was eight point two blocks per one hundred. That's in like I think that's draft like draft like the last ten years. But anyway, getting off topic just to give some perspective, super strong two way um, center, vertically spacing. vertically spacing five um, you just like if you're adding that so the Hornets played most last season their center was Montrez Harrell who is a vertical spacer nonetheless I mean Mason Plumley and Mason Plumley, but I think I mean I'd say Montrez Harrell is more of a vertical spacer than Mason Plumley. but and we saw that a lot with the with the Clippers and Lou Williams but if you add you're adding a guy like Mark Williams who has the 7 8 standing reach or whatever it may be and the crazy wingspan and you put that next to LaMelo Ball I can't see how offensively how that's not going to be a positive for Charlotte and open up a lot for their offense I I'm looking at the synergy numbers here they ran pick a pick and roll ball handler it was like 21% of the time of all offensive possessions 29.6% of the time including passes like all scoring opportunities They are a pick and roll team, whether it's LaMelo, LaMelo is obviously like beyond his years as a pick and roll player and adding Mark Williams, who can just finish everything around the rim. He fit like he he has really good hands for a center, like for, you know, some guys when they get like the like physically, if they're like longer, if their arms are kind of all over the place and they don't have their footwork down, they're not as nimble it kind of gets all over the place with awareness and like getting the ball in their hands and getting them in a place where they can finish the finish the play. But I feel like when I watched Mark Williams, it was just everything that came his way. He was able to get under control and finish through contact. And, you know, I think, and I, especially like, as the NBA more moves to more like a like five out kind of look for a lot of teams, and then Mark Williams, obviously, is a non-shooter. But I think the way that Charlotte plays and what they're used to and how LaMelo can operate out of the pick and roll, I think this is just it's a home run pick. And, I mean, I don't know if that that's – I don't know if that's, like, anything – I don't know what I described that Mark Williams can do that Jalen Duran can't. Maybe it's more on the defensive end. But, I, I mean, you can't really miss with this one.
0: Preemptively defending – already with the well, I, 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 I
2: heard it from you like from the moment I texted you they drafted I was like see Mark Williams is going to Charlotte
0: just like, my, my issue is just Jaylen. like I don't I don't really see how you can draft like a non switch big and the lot like I understand he's like pretty nimble like you can play him on like a more of a level type of or like closer to the level type of drop um and he's like you know semi nimble but like I just like I really I really find it hard to To justify taking like a guy who can't switch, because he's gonna get he's gonna get played off the floor. He's definitely
2: not as strong as Durant perimeter, and I but I think his drop coverage is is good enough. I'm not gonna say it's phenomenal. I'm not gonna say it's like above average, but it's good. And he plays really smart. Like he 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 has good instincts, and like he like again he does he doesn't move. He's not like he's not great on the perimeter like Durant. He's not super in drop coverage like when the ball handler is getting downhill. It's not all great, but he has really good, like, instincts. And, like, you watch a lot of his blocks. I mean, it's like easily those are the highlight reel plays. But he's reading. He's watching the ball handler. And he makes, like, he's really nimble on his feet for that size. And he makes sudden movements. And I think it's, like, I think it could be really strong for them. I I don't know. I I like Dern as well, but I think Mark Williams offers – like more offensively in terms of how Charlotte's going to want to play. And I, what go ahead, Matt.
0: No, it's okay. Keep going.
2: Well, I was just, I was like, I think they, I think he offered. they play above the rim. Lamella going to be throwing a lob. You see my, you see how a guy like Miles Bridges plays. You see how a guy like, like they're just they're Everything's above the rim. And that's how they, that's how they space the floor is vertically. And it's like, that's how they create advantages and that easy buckets right there. And like, Duran can do that too. Just I don't know if he does does that like Mark Williams can.
0: Do you have anything to to
1: add? Uh to be honest, I don't know the first thing about Mark Williams besides like a couple highlight videos. But (laughs) I mean honestly, like I saw a lot of people hating on the Mark Williams pick too. And like from what I saw in theory, just I don't know, maybe just the fact that Lamelo's finally getting a a rim runner now. Uh that maybe that inclined me towards that pick, but I don't know. I, I guess the switchability—that is a good point. You know, being versatile defensively is like uh, uh, it feels like a must now for a lot of bigs, um, at least going further into the playoffs. So, yeah,
0: yeah. So I completely got it. I completely understand the rim running. Like that makes total sense. Giving Lamelo a vertical threat with that type of like catchery—that's that's great. And then you can finally play drop coverage because you have like a big big center um that can you know like you just when you play drop cover you just need someone who's big and Mason Plumley and Montrezl Harrell are just not big and the Hornets just need something that like just a solid like base coverage that's not gonna like that's not some janky like two three matchup zone that they have to run because like they can't run anything on defense because their guys are so bad like I I completely understand that argument and I'm honestly like over the past week I've like grown a little bit in in that sense like Mark Williams has grown to me in that way my issue is when it comes to the playoffs, Mark Williams is not a guy you're, you're going to want to switch. Like, I don't even know if you want to like late switch him, you know, like I don't even know if you want to do that. Um, and if you can't do that, how do you stay on the floor? And on the other side on the offensive end, the way you take away his rim ring, just look how what happens to Rudy Gobert in the playoffs Teams just switch that action. Right. And Mark Williams can't post up in my opinion. I don't think what he can't post up. He just gets pushed off his spot. And like, although he has like, you know, he's like, he showed the flashes of like the good touch on like the short jumpers and stuff like that. But is a team really going to be worried about that to the point where they're going to stop switching and Lamelo also isn't a good guy to like break down a switch. Like he's just not that, he's not that type of like offensive creator. He's not always going to like blow by guys, um, like quite enough for like the defense to stop switching, you know, that's, that's my thing. I feel like he's going to get played off the floor. I just I think
2: it's so ironic because we I mean we don't have time for this today but Matt is the biggest stand against Rudy Gobert on the face of this planet and then you want to talk about how Rudy Gobert gets I, like you can't have it both ways here Matt like either either Mark Williams is gonna work and Rudy Gobert is gonna work or they're both not gonna work it's the same sort of concept in the NBA I've become
0: so. lower on Rudy Gobert but I, I okay. think he's still here I think Gobert's go. really 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 good defensively obviously he's really, I really good I agree
2: I think Mark Williams is really good defense. I and I agree. I noticed that this is also contradictory on me because I've been against Rudy Gobert as a potential center on a championship-contending team, but I think that the way the Hornets play—if that's how they want to play—is a smart pick-and-roll ball. You like elite pick-and-roll ball handler with Lamelo, and how they play above the rim, how it's high-flying cutters. You're gonna back screen, dunk that, Miles Bridges, whatever. If that's how they want to play, then Mark Williams is your guy. Is yeah, it no. going to, I, is it going to told- be successful in the playoffs? Is it? Is it going to take them to the next level? They got. They're going to need to add more pieces. They're going to need to add a little more like versatility to their offense. But I think for what they're doing now, to take that step of what their identity is as a team right now, I think that I think that's huge for them. I think it's a great pick.
0: No, yeah, I I definitely agree. I think it's going to be, in the end, a net positive pick for the Hornets just because he gives them someone solid to play drop coverage. And also, finally, like, Lamelo gets, like, a good lob threat um, to play with. Um, It's just my thing. So the Hornets draft Durin, right? They drafted Duran. They traded him to Detroit, right? That's That's how the trade went down. And then they got the 15th pick because of that or something like that. They they already had
2: they already had the 15th pick. I just
0: think I just feel like Durins just the better overall player. So, he does the same thing with Mark Williams in terms of like the like kind of like the versatility and like drop coverage. He has like the the ability to like finish above the rim um like on the roll things like that. And on top of that, he can switch better than Mark Williams and also he has the passing. That and also I think he's also a better post player. Like I just think he's he just better in certain areas Mark Williams just doesn't have in his game. Yeah, you know, I think Duren Dur- Dur- is a is a center that will be able to stay in the like stay in a playoff game.
1: No, Mark I Williams, I
0: think is going to get played off the floor, and they had the opportunity to trade Durant. They traded down and got Mark Williams, and I don't know what they got. I don't really know what they got, um, in that trade. But I I think just Durant's the better player. That's all.
2: I mean, yeah, no, I I I like Duren as a player too. I, I I if I had if gun to my head, I'm going to say Durin's the better prospect, and I like Duren better but the way it ended up i like i mean if whatever if if had went to the hornets i'd say Durin was a great pick here this would have been my pick i just like the way that he fits with how the hornets are playing i think that's a, i think that's a strong pick i agree i there's definitely trade offs in terms of in terms of the like secondary offensive skills and like and versatility defensively but you know that's just the way the ball bounces
0: that's how the how it all shook out so all right all right, we can just move on now. Well, <laughs> right. um, so my guy is, uh, my second guy is Jaden Hardy. Fell all the way to the, the second round um, pick, I want to say 37, yeah, 37. 37. Pick 37. And Hardy, you know, he was like a number, like a top three player consensus, I'm pretty sure, in his high school class. Goes to G League night, doesn't have a great year statistically um and now he's going to the Mavericks so we'll start with the fit part with the Mavericks uh the Hardy is definitely more of a two guard he's not going to be a guy you want to give a bunch of pick and roll reps like especially early because we saw you know how that went with G League Ignite but he goes to the the Mavericks in a situation where they have hopefully Brunson next year Donchinch and Dinwiddie who are all like guys that can be the primary ball handlers in a certain in a certain lineup and you have Hardy Who's able to play off the ball, get into like some of that catch and shoot stuff, um, and I just think he's a really, just like a really talented player. Like he has kind of, you know, he's like a pure hooper, you know, not not oh, to be cliche. God, no. but, oh god, to, <laughs> that <here>. boy, nice. <laughs> it, 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 comes, he is nice. He's it, just nice. Like, he can it always goes back to the pure hooper. He can he can put the ball on the floor. You know, the handle, like his handle. I think I like his handle. He has some like really creative moves. Um, like he has one where you know there's like the like the under the leg kind of like snatchback move. He'll do that, except like he'll like keep going forward and said I, I kind of like that move I've never I haven't seen that one before, um, and I think he he can he can finish he just needs to use his body a little more like get into the defender um, sometimes he'll just like challenge the big and like try to jump over him and just, he's just not even like remotely close he just gets stuffed like some of it was really ugly in G League and I get why teams like he fell, um, but if you're thinking about it he is one year removed from a high school senior year. He's playing against like some of the best players in in the world at like the you know it's still g league but you know there's still like really really good pros that are, like borderline or should they like, maybe like could be like nba players and he's like on a team with a bunch of other like young dudes that are not very like you know they're not really good so like no wonder why he's gonna struggle you know like you get put you get put into that role where he's like skill-wise he's not ready mentally he's not ready body-wise he's not ready of course he's gonna struggle but i think he showed enough flashes Shouldn't have constants to the point where I still would. I still would have taken him in the lottery, in my opinion. And he fell all the way to the second round, and I think he's going to the Mavericks in a situation where he's not going to have to be like super heavy on ball. He's going to be able to like work his work his way up a bit, like maybe get more and more on ball stuff, like just like after he like gets comfortable with just you know like hitting cash and shoot threes, things like that. Um, on the defensive end, he was like terrible at times, like just awful, no effort, and he's not going to get on the floor unless he shores up in that area, especially on like a very defensive oriented team, like the Mavericks um, and Jason Kidd. Um So there's obviously that part of it, but I think overall as a talent, I think Gene Hardy is definitely way better than a, the 37th pick in the draft should have probably should have went lotto. And I think he's going to the situation where he's going to be able to thrive. If he can figure it out in terms of like accountability and like on the
1: defensive end.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I this is kind of, I mean, again, this is kind of diverging off of what we're doing here, but that's this is kind of the whole, like, interesting, like, project that the G League Ignite is. I feel like we've seen that with almost all the prospects that have came out. I mean, in terms of defensively, I'm going off your last point here about Hardy, is that even Jalen Green and Kaminga, the year they came out, and even to an extent Isaiah Todd, is that when they're thrown, when you go from high school basketball to the G League, which, like, like you were saying, still really talented players, not as much as the NBA, but very talented players, very experienced players. There's a lot of defensive lapses and a lot of, def- like, lack of accountability, especially because the whole, like, concept with the G League Ignite is that, okay, these guys aren't actually going to be here past one year. Then they're going to go get drafted. So they're kind of just playing to get their own draft stock up. So in that sense, I think that there's a lot of potential for Hardy. It's what uh, it's, I agree. I think it's more of a just, like, you know there was, and that's not a great sign. Like you don't want a guy. You're not. I'm not saying it's fine that he was giving up on plays or that he was lackluster defensively. But I think that once now that now that he's made it, there's going to be a more of a intensity on defense. Offensively, I think the reason why a lot of his numbers look bad, and you alluded to it a little bit, is that the ignite had a lot of guys who should all be secondary ball handlers, and then they were all thrown into a system where they needed to be primary ball handlers. Hardy, Dyson Daniels, to extent 2023 lottery pick Scoot Henderson, all of them were kind of like at the points that they were in the game, not surrounded by each other or not in a position where they could play off of each other. It was a lot of, they kind of had to create their own magic and that's not the strength of any of their games. Maybe Scoot Henderson, but we'll have to see that. But at least with Hardy and Daniels, that's not the strength of their games. And I'd say that going to a team like Dallas and they have a, a extremely talented uh, ball handler, as we know, in Luca, like that's going to be amazing for Hardy. And I think that'll allow him to like develop um, like strong, like be a, he can be that second guy. I mean, if Brunson ends up going off to the Knicks, like he can be that guy that steps in. I don't know if he was lottery talent. I really liked what I looked. I don't know if he was lottery talent, but I agree that the fit and just like looking at, what Dallas needs now in terms of who might leave, who might be going elsewhere, then this was this was a this was a great fit.
0: Josh, anything to add?
1: Uh, again, this is someone that I really don't know much about. I'm just <laughs> excited that we're getting another addition to the two guard lineage, you know, joining pool, Simon, yes, Jalen Green, and so on. THT Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll make another pod, you know, with uh, revisiting revisiting
0: the three guards our first pod was about. Yeah. So, bro, you're you're telling me like you want Johnny Davis over Jaden Hardy? I I didn't like Johnny Davis. I, I mean, well, I,
2: I love like Johnny it. Davis. You lo- oh, you love Johnny Davis. Actually, I, I, I like Johnny I like I, I
0: like Johnny Davis too. But I think just Hardy's just like has way more upside than him. Jo-
2: my my gripe with Johnny Davis, well, I mean, it's not anyone. Any of the prospects we pick, so I'll keep it to a minimum. But it's just like he's taking like very low percentage shots a lot of the time, and he and he's powerful. He gets the rim, but it's just like he can't be relying on a lot of what we saw that he was relying on. That was his offensive output was these like very difficult mid-range, mid-post, like baseline shots, and I just don't think that's really going to translate at the bay.
1: But that's just me.
0: Josh, defense, yeah. for you, defense for you. Right, yeah, I, I
1: got this. I got this. Finally, someone I know what to, what to say for. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Johnny Davis, he took a lot of, I mean, bad shots, not even sugarcoating it. went uh, into a lot of tough middies, contested middies. Uh, but I think a lot of that had to do with the situation. Um, he was forced into that primary offensive role, and uh, his teammates were just not great, to say the least. They didn't space the floor well. Uh, he didn't really have a roller. Uh, there were a lot of flaws within that roster and who he, who he played with, and I really think that uh, – had a factor in, you know, the type of shots he was taking and the decisions he was making. Uh, I think if he, you know, an, an NBA team can uh, potentially, you know, fix those mistakes, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, that, again, isn't a guarantee and That that could be ingrained in uh, the way he plays. But I, I just like his tools. It's just him uh, being able to get to the basket the way he does, I think that's not a given for a lot of guys. And if a team's really able to harness that, then I think, Johnny davis can end up being one of the best players from the class that's just the way i saw it
2: i yeah no i i agree and i think being next to beal will be very beneficial for him and i think that'll be i think he'll learn a lot there i i'm i I think that's a good point too as like i feel like johnny davis the other guy that comes to mind big 10 bryce mcgowans who ended up with minnesota not confident about that he he went in the second round but it was like he was just thrown in the fire. Like you're here's the ball, and you need to score for us, and that's how this offense is going to be. So I mean that I I see that too. But I I my my concern is what you mentioned is that is like if that's what he's known, he doesn't play with a lot of pace or control. It's very north south and a lot of kind of flailing and wild out of control. But if he can learn to pace it and get to a spot more and be able to utilize that mid range jumper in a more like controlled like like balanced manner, then I think he can be. I think he can be that, but um that remains to be seen. That would be it'd be interesting to see if he
0: adds that to his game. Wait, last point, Johnny Davis. I'm. I don't think we should project him like to the level or to the usage or like role he was at Wisconsin. Like he's going to be scaled down like so much more. And I think that's kind of the draw because he has like that aggressiveness as like an off ball player and like defensively, like his motor was still there even though he was like this high usage player. He wasn't like a like a Jaden Ivy who just like was just not not always engaged defensively. Like he was like the primary offensive, guy and he was picking up the best defensive matchups. That's all okay. Um, Josh, who's your third guy?
1: Uh, my third guy was Jalen Duran. Uh, I don't want to reignite any arguments, but uh, uh I like I like Jalen Duran. I think we we talked about the other two guys in Detroit, Caden Ivy, and uh, I think. Dern is just a seamless fit alongside them. Uh, and just like Chet did in OKC, I think Jalen solves a lot solves a lot of issues that Detroit faced last year, uh, sp- specifically in the pick and roll with Cade. Uh, I thought, I mean, Isaiah Stewart is a good NBA player and I like uh, a lot of things he does, especially on the defensive end, but offensively, he just undersizes a big to really have uh, that much of an impact like uh, as an interior threat. And that's where Jalen Dern changes things. Um, He's 6'11", 250. Uh, His frame has drawn comparisons to like Dwight Howard and his athletic prime. Uh, The man can also like really get up. His catch radius is ridiculous. Uh, So Cade just playing alongside the lob threat like that is just super exciting. Um, It also alleviates um, or makes things easier for Cade himself at the rim. He's not the the most athletic finisher uh, so that'll make his looks easier as well. And uh, you guys touched on it, too. Dern's a, a pretty good passer for a big as well. Um, and, like, and I'm just envisioning, like, him hitting uh, Ivy or him allowing Ivy and K to play off ball and, uh, like, high post action hitting, hitting Ivy on cuts or passing out of the post. I think there's just a, a lot of things that can be tinkered with, and I just really like that fit uh, offensively. Um, and defensively, Jalen Dern, you uh, Yeah, the the tools translate over to that end as well. Um, And, you know, as a rim protector, protector, and as you guys mentioned, he could switch a little bit as well, which is uh, key as, you know, Detroit uh, builds and progresses into like a playoff team. Um, So yeah, I like Jalen Dorn. Anything you guys want to add?
0: Yeah, I think his defensive, like, just feel, too, just, like, getting over in time on his rotations, going straight up when you, when you need to, or, like, chasing a block when he need to. I think he's good at that. Um, and with the passing, he's kind of, like, Robert Williams-esque with, like, the quick touches um, sometimes. But also, I think the his, the difference between him and Robert Williams is that I think he's going to be more of, like, an imposing, like, post-up threat because, you know, he's just bigger than Rob Williams. Like, Rob Williams is, like, 6'8", 6'9", not, like, not two two hundred fifty pounds, you know. Um, so he's going to be able to use some, or Durin's going to be able to use some of that passing, just like mashing guys and then boom, send the double, um, skip, and then now their offense is going. Um, so yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like that aspect of Duran. Oh, there's another point I was going to say, but I forgot. Gavin, you can go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think our uh, my thoughts on Durin are well documented. I I should have saved it for this segment. I I think. I think in Detroit, that's a good fit. For me, it's interesting. I, I you guys talk about the player and and I, we're reviewing the player. I think from a team's perspective, I like looking at it like that. Very interesting from Detroit is essentially they've given up on two, not essentially, but they've kind of moved away from two former top 20 picks. They had Killian Hayes who was seventh in the 2020 draft. And then they have Isaiah Stewart who was 16 in the 2021 and you bring in Ivy and you bring in Durin. So like, what are you going to do with these guys? I don't know. Like, I agree. And like, this isn't, I I'm totally aware of Hayes flaws. He's been, he's been really poor for a top 10 pick through the first two seasons, as well as Isaiah Stewart. I mean, he's very undersized and like he plays well defensively, but it's not really sustainable for, for if you're trying to win in the playoffs, but it's just very from, I'm looking at it from like an executive or from a front office standpoint, it's very curious that they've kind of turned around and just like, thrown in the towel on two young guys after one season. And I mean, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. If you, if you see two, I mean, you could argue, you argued, Ivy was a top top three prospect and Dern was a top 10. And if they just follow you and that's how it works, then you kind of got to take them. But I don't know. I think that's interesting. I think the fit is great. I think I agree. I like Dern as a prospect, as, as a, as a, as a passer, especially, if he starts short rolling, you get him right at the right at the nail, right at the free throw line, and he he can hit the cutters. He can hit a corner like that's just you know it's like little things, and it's not like you think that you would think that's not a huge deal for a center, but that's that's that can be huge for their offense, especially if teams start hedging Ivy because they don't want him to get downhill. You hedge him, you hit him on the short roll, and then you have four three to the corner. Beautiful. So I think that could that could be really really great for Detroit. I have no problems with it. I think that was a phenomenal pick.
0: That was a fire point, Gavin. The hedging short roll. Well, I've
2: seen, well I, I like I'm, that. Yeah, no, I've been watching <laughs> Jalen Williams get hedged for the last year, so I've seen you got a short roll, and then that's the four-on-three, and if, you, if you're moving right, and if you have the passer to do it, it can be very effective.
0: And you're really playing up the segue for Jalen Williams. Um, oh. Wait, last thing on Duran before we go to your guy. Um, I was looking at Durin's like, his free throw and also like i've seen some videos of his like, workouts and stuff like i kind of like his shot like i think his shots like very like very viable like he shot pretty good from the line i don't have the i wish i had the stat in front of me just scrolling away from it but yeah, i i maybe. really i do i do like his shot he shot oh he shot 63 from the line that's <laughs> is not great but it's, just like eye test like watching his like his shot like i i kind of like it like i think there might be i don't know it's kind of a far fetched but I think there might be some like mid post face up type potential there. Like I actually got kind of like his like his form. Like I think there's something there with it. And hey, no, he's only 18. He's a year. He's a year younger than all of us here. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, and that's he's two, pretty that's He's a lot of 250. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately,
2: none of us are built like that. But I, no. I, don't, I agree. Well, and it's just like you think of, like obviously like he's never going to shoot threes. But like you said, face up mid post. When he gets it right at the top of the key, like can he hit? I think about um, I don't know like how what's that guy's name from Kentucky, Oscar Tishibwe. The guy, like he shoots these weird, like looping, like like just inside the arc, just at the free throw line, like mid-range. And like because, because when they would when they would hedge tie tie Washington, he'd get the ball there and then he'd be able to like hit this. It, it looked like a really ridiculous shot. Like it was so like the arc was like like it was ridiculous. It went into like orbit, but it was like, he would hit this shot. And my point being, I feel like that could be a shot that could be really useful for Durin. Like I like he's never going to step out and he's never going to be hitting like these fadeaways, but just like a simple, like off the live action, like free throw sort of shot. Like, can he hit that for two points? If a team sinks to take away the cutters like that, that could be, I could see that being added to his game.
0: Durin's the next 80. Don't <laughs> just have anything to add this Here is first. guy too. Um
1: uh, I don't know.
0: All right. I, I, All guess right. We can, I guess we can go to you know Santa Clara.
2: Well, I wasn't I, will, I, I wasn't guy. gonna do I wasn't gonna do Jalen Williams. You were go, I thought you were. I was doing you know, I was so I'm gonna do I'll do my prospect and we'll give a little promo for Jalen Williams at the end of it. But I was picking Christian Brown, Christian Brown was 21st overall to Denver. I thought Originally, I thought he was perfect for, for Memphis. I feel like he's, like, the guy Memphis would love, his energy, the way he plays. Like, that seems like a perfect fit. But I also like him in Denver. I, You know, there's not a lot to nitpick about Christian Brown's game. He's a winner. I mean, Kansas, national champions. Can't, can't deny that. He's – the thing I like about Christian Brown, he's never going to be a star. And he's fine with that. And the way he plays is perfect given the superstar – talent that the denver nuggets already have they're gonna play with jamal murray they have Jokic, obviously they're gonna add michael maybe add michael porter who knows what's going on with his back but i think that like the way just this is purely like he is a glue guy he's gonna he's gonna shoot the ball really well he's gonna he's gonna he can make plays off the dribble i mean he was a he was an 81st percentile pick and roll ball handler now the majority of the time it was the um it was a Ogbaji and I'm forgetting the small guards name. It was, I think it's Remy, Remy Martin. Martin, Remy Martin, Remy Martin. Those guys were the primary ball handlers. So he was forced into more of a spot up role, but if you watch him more um, his freshman and sophomore years, there were more opportunities for him to be a pick and roll ball. And even this season, I mean, obviously that's what the stats are saying. And if you watch that, like he has that in his bag. And I think, in Denver, like that can be like utilized well, is that they already have a lot of guys who can do that, but just like in a in a pinch, he's he's able to create that. He's a he's a fantastic shooter, he's great in transition. He he's smart, he's a great guy to fit alongside Jokic. Is that like he moves really well and Jokic will be able to find him? Like, that. I think there's already a lot of like synergy there in in chemistry, like how they move. And I just think you know, I think there were a lot of guys that I liked at the back end of the draft and just like connector role guys. Cause you need those for your team. Now, not every guy is going to be a superstar. And I think the way that Denver plays, like he's going to be super, super helpful.
0: Yeah. I like, he, he definitely projects very, very well as a role player, just like all around ability to like shoot the ball. He's not like super creative on the ball, but you know, he can like hard drive, like right, get to the basket. And he's like athletic. He's pretty athletic, you know? Yeah, um, so he'll hang in that way and he you know he just he's a dog, you know, he's a dog. Someone and, someone know, when... would say
2: some would say sneaky athletic. <laughs> 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 if, if you know, you know, but he is sneaky athletic.
0: <laughs> okay, no one no one said that except you, but I... No,
2: I, just, I, what whatever. No 95th percentile pick and rolls, including passes, um 91st percentile jump shots. 75, 75th percentile off the dribble jump shots like he has a lot of different things he can do and i think it's you know i th- just like if you're a team like denver you already know what you have you've seen how it's operated in the playoffs there's not like there's not a lot of tinkering that they're going to do there's not a lot of like changes they're going to make to their current roster makeup in terms of the core guys so if you're adding a first round guy christian brown's the perfect player to add just kind of Elevate the floor, keep things moving, be, be a really reliable shooter. And, you know, that's like he's a very – he has a very predetermined role that he'll be very successful at. And I think that's a, I think that's a hit for a 21st overall pick.
0: Oh, yeah, I to- totally agree. Gosh, you know about Christian Braun or not Not so much?
1: No, he got that dog in him. That's all I
0: know. But <laughs> anyway.
1: Anyone that's able to cut, anyone that's able to finish is going to thrive next to Jokic. And, you know, I, I, one thing I knew about Christian Brown, uh, I think I think Kansas won the championship, right? So I think I watched them uh, in that game, is that he can he can get to the rim and he can finish. Uh, so he and Jokic are going to have some nice sequences.
0: Yeah, and I, I just think, like, all jokes aside of, like, the whole being, like, a dog part, like, like, having confidence as a role player, I think is just so huge, just because, like, if your shot's not falling, defenses are going to start to like give you that look and you need to like know that you like can still take that look and you can still make it. Like sometimes, you know, Derek White, like strap not falling, like it, he would like stop shooting the ball a little bit. And now like the open kickout is turning into him driving, trying to get into the lane, like get another, get another kick out. But just like maintaining confidence in your shot, I think is just like, or as yourself as a player, just really important. Like he might get scored on because, you know, he doesn't have the best tools in terms of wingspan, but like, you know, um just staying in guys and like wearing them out over the course of the game and you know hopefully the ball bounces your way you know um let's see so we just did so gavin did braun so it's my 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 guy now um hey did we just talk we talked about jalen duran already though right we did that was my, Dern, yes yeah yes. that was that was my third guy so and well, I you, guess
2: I guess that means we have time for Jalen Williams. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we do
0: have time for Jalen Williams. Go for it. No,
2: I well, I mean, okay. The, Wait, like, state your state your before. connection
0: to him before. Just so. okay.
2: So I I'm fresh. I just finished my freshman year at Santa Clara, and I was one of the basketball managers at Santa Clara. I got to work alongside Jalen Williams. I can tell you, I mean, like insider info that he's a great guy, very personable, very nice, very nice dude. And you know, it was it was an honor to work for him. I did, and you know. I can say this is this is insider info on Beyond the Arc podcast. OKC Thunder um, special scout, special regional scout called me asking me about Jalen Williams and asking what he was about as a player. And they were asking a lot of questions. They called me in like April. They called me mid-April asking about him. They actually sent scouts out to Santa Clara. They sent a whole posse of um, executives and decision makers to Santa Clara. I was actually supposed to meet with them. Unfortunately, contracted coronavirus didn't go my way, but, um, but he's a great guy. He's, I, th- I love that pick for, for OKC. I saw that and I, th- I just knew that's a very Sam Presti pick. He's really, he's a brilliant creator on the ball. Like that late in games, when we were down, we had our great senior guard, PJ pipes, who was phenomenal for like the first three quarters. But when we needed to score, we got Jalen into like our, our normal sets. And he was, he was that guy and he has a really nice jump shot. Another thing I can say insider info is if you look at his percentages from his three, he wasn't that strong through his first two seasons at Santa Clara. He actually had a broken, broken thumb and like torn ligaments in his wrist for the first two seasons. So he was like sub 30 shooter and then those all healed up. And then he, and then he'd be able to, he was able to shoot fine. He's, That was always what he would joke about is that he's like, they look at me and they say, I can't shoot. But I was like, I was injured, my shooting hand, the whole first part of the season. So like, I mean, of course there's going to be a a dip there. But anyway, I'm going off on a very detailed tangent because I was able to witness it throughout the whole season, which was very, um, which was awesome to watch. But as a player, as a fit, I think OKC really like hit on that one. He's a very high floor player. At the very least, he's going to be a very strong 40 like 37 to 40 percent can defend with his 7-2 wingspan at the very least at the at at his peak you know like secondary playmaker i think you know next to giddy like i mean they already have a lot of ball handlers and they've added a lot of guys who can potentially do that so i don't know how much his role would be like in that offense and given who they already have but he can definitely do that and he's a very smart player he was like always very attentive like movement and like off the ball on defense. I don't, I don't understand the gripes about his athleticism. I mean, I can tell you he was very athletic. He dunked over me in practice like multiple times.
0: Dude, I, I could dunk on you in practice. Okay, I mean, no, 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 like literally there's a clip,
2: not of me, but of another manager. he, like it was like they were doing like the warm ups and he like you catch it from the wing and you drive. And one of the managers was under like rebounding and he just straight like in warm ups, just dunked over him, like just jumped over and dunked on. Him. i mean like our manager's like six foot like he this guy is athletic. He plays above the rim. And like I don't I, he had a 40, 40 inch vert and everyone still wants to doubt his athleticism. This is getting personal for me. But anyway, I like I like Jalen Williams fit. Very deserving at 12 overall. I know a lot of people were surprised. I think I think he's gonna be a great player. And that's a great fit for that team. That's all that's all I have to say there.
0: Yeah, but with the, with the OKC thing is just they have so many guys now that like could be that like that secondary playmaker. They have like they drafted Dang, they have Jalen Williams now, they still have SJ and Giddy who are gonna get like prim- primary like amount of touches. And then now you still you still have Poku, you still have Trey Man. It's just there's so Ludor. many guys that Ludor there's so many guys that like need the ball. Like, I just don't know like which one is like going to like, how are they all going to develop? You know, they just I think, have so many of them.
2: But I think that's the point though, is that it's good that they have so many that all these guys can kind of, they all can do something different. Like at the very least, Yang, I think can be a great shooter. Jalen Williams can be a great shooter. We know SGA is a great shooter. I mean, SGA is going to be primary ball. handler. They're not going to take the ball out of his hands, but that's the great thing. What OKC is doing is they're adding a bunch of guys that can do this. I mean, even if you want to throw a Poku in Poku can kind of handle the ball, sort of like we saw it a little bit, it was more G league action, but like we saw them do that a little bit, like guys can handle the ball, but then they'll see who sticks. But then if you're not handling the ball, these guys have a lot of potential as like spot up shooters, as cutters, as off ball guys like that's Like, I love what OKC is doing. Like a lot of versatility in their roster makeup right now to see how guys develop and see how they can piece things together. So I, I'm not too concerned about I I agree, and maybe that's, like, limiting a guy's potential if that could be something he could utilize on a team where they need it more. But, like, for what they're doing, I think
0: it, it'll it'll balance out well. Fair enough. Yash, anything to add?
1: Uh, Jalen Williams, new uh, member of Long Sox gang. <laughs>
2: he would be honored that you recognize that he always like yeah. he wants the long socks up to his knees i'm like well hey if that's your look man go for it you, if you look at his santa clara picks and the games he would get them like like knee height but you know mm-hmm. that's just that's his jam so
1: that's, yeah i mess with it. I that's something it. that's all i have to say fair enough
0: that's something we are from kids wearing ankle socks and now going <laughs> yeah, back so to like, like the 60s all right. Um, any any last thoughts, guys, on the draft or we can wrap it up here. We've gone for a little, I think, a bit over an hour now.
2: No, well, uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of prospects to watch, even even some a lot of guys we didn't even get to. But I think this uh, this class has a lot of potential and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next year. Catch, yep. catch summer, catch summer league, July 7th, the
0: 17th. See how it, see how it pans out, dude. We're not advertising for the NBA here. I'm not advertising. <laughs> I,
2: well, I'm going. I'm going to the summer league. I'll be at the summer oh, league. shoot! So I'll give you. I'll give you the insider info. I'll put no, it on thanks. Twitter. I'll for
0: put sure. it on I'm show. I'm going to hold Twitter you to it. You. Oh yeah. wait! I can't see. That. <laughs> 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 oh my god! I was wondering if you're going to pick up on
2: that, but yeah.
0: Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. No
2: problem. No problem, man. Never.
0: I'll never be seen on Twitter again. <laughs> yeah. So so dumb. <laughs> uh, whatever uh, see now i just sound like like i did something really bad because i got permanently suspended in reality i'm just like i no. i operated two accounts and i you would use one to like retweet our like podcast account like which this one hopefully will get posted on once i get access to it hopefully and it's not permanently banned right um, but yeah so I, I didn't do anything bad i didn't do no. anything bad i swear that's a great guy everyone uh, so whatever all right thanks for listening to this edition of the beyond the arc um, you know, hopefully we'll pick up our consistency again, especially with summer coming around. We'll talk about um, you know, draft stuff. We'll maybe talk a little about summer league once that starts up. Uh, maybe some different teams we're looking forward to watching uh, this upcoming year. So yeah, stay tuned. Uh, thanks for listening.